right, well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast. Uh, we have been gone for a couple weeks. Well, I guess we just missed one week because Mara was playing on the beach, and so uh, we were stuck in Ohio, and she was playing on the beach. So we're back, <laughs> back and better than ever, um, in the middle of our Fuse Breaker series, uh, and we had uh, we just had week five, so we've got one more week left uh, on Palm Sunday. Um, and to, today we're going to kind of talk uh, week four and week five, just kind of uh, touch on both of those since we missed last week. Uh, so, Paul, why don't you uh, catch us up on the series? Well, the series deals with the idea that um, there's things that we need to let go of so we can grab a hold of better things. And uh, it's also based on the ideal of a, a fuse breaker or a fuse or a circuit breaker, this ideal that we can get so many things plugged into our life uh, that it can result in a, in a fire or an overload. And most of us live overloaded lives. And so we've been tracking through the Lord's Prayer and, and, and through Lent with this ideal of uh, Lent as an invitation, the Lord's Prayer is an invitation to let go of things. So we've talked about letting go of um, complexity, needless complexity, and grab hold of simplicity. We've, we've talked about letting go of um, uh, self-reliance and grabbing hold of God-reliance. We've talked about letting go of fractured relationships and and grabbing hold, uh, grabbing hold of um, relational wholeness. And then last week we talked about um, l- l- letting go of just simply uh, a, a Christianity as a doctrine only, uh, orthodoxy only, understanding doctrines only to Christianity as a way of life. And, and we've been exploring these all with the, the understanding that this is not what God wants from us, it's what God wants for us. Uh, there's an invitation uh, when God gives us this invitation to, to relational wholeness, it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Yeah. And when God invites us to, to embrace Christianity as a way of life, uh, not just something we say we believe, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Mara, why don't you read the Lord's Prayer once again for us? All right, so this is again Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, so <clears throat> two Sundays ago, we, we, uh, we kind of looked at this idea of letting go of self-reliance, grabbing hold of, of God-reliance. It's kind of... Uh, plays out in the give us this day our daily bread, right? Give us right now. We're, we're, we're dependent on God for right now, not focused on, you know, every day in the future. We're focused on right here, right now. God, give us this day our daily bread. Um, what do you think makes it difficult to depend on God? If we're, if we're letting go of self-reliance so that we can grab a hold of God-reliance, what are just some of the very real and practical things in life that make this more difficult, easier said than done, <laughs> easier to pray it than to actually live it, right? I mean, I think this ideal of daily bread is a very difficult thing to, to embrace since most of us don't, you know, in Jesus' culture, they would have understood this. They would have understood mm-hmm. that they work for this day to make the money to pay for the food for this day. We don't live like that. Yeah. So our culture is completely geared differently, um, you, you know, most, most of the time. I mean, maybe there's times in our lives we, we, we live like that. But for most of the time, I've got a freezer stock full of, of meat. Mm-hmm. I've got, there's more food in our cupboard than, than we need. 
Um, you know, the only thing that we have to replenish daily is the sweets. <laughs> or, I, just, I just started laughing there because uh, it was yesterday after school. I, I got Jensen home from school, and he, you know, he always gets an after school snack, and he's just kind of looking around the cupboard, looking in the fridge, looking in the freezer, and he's like, oh. We never have anything to eat in this house. And I'm like, bro, no, we're not doing that. Right, <laughs> I was right. like, but no, there Twinkies. are lots of people who would co- walk into our house and yeah. just be in awe of the amount of food. <laughs> I'm not playing that game. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that just made me think of that. <laughs> no, that idea of like day-to-day is in a way what makes even like the idea of Sabbath so like radical and so crazy because in that culture, in that mm-hmm. idea of I, I have to work so that I can eat. I have to do this so that just for this day. And so like even just that depending on God, well, if I don't work today, he will have provided enough through the week that my family isn't going to go hungry. Like mm-hmm. I think that there is an element of, of trust Sure. that um, comes in that. And let's be honest, sometimes I think it's a lack of patience because God's timing is not always our own. So, right? <laughs> so when we think about depending on him and waiting for him and waiting, well, like, no, like we, a lot of stuff here, it's like, well, no, just make it happen. Just like you can do anything, you can make anything. And so this idea of depending and just waiting mm-hmm. and um, kind of putting that on an external party yeah. I think that comes down to that. That sometimes takes a lot of patience yeah. and a lot of trust. That sometimes, like the way that he's going to work it out, isn't the way that we would have worked it out. So, is there ever a time that we're worried that we're maybe not going to actually be happy with the outcome because we wanted it this way? Yeah, mm-hmm. if that yeah. makes sense. For sure. Yeah, that's good. good. So it's letting go of control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's that's boiling it down. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, well, that, I mean that's true. I mean, and and so sometimes when we say give us, when we're saying okay, I'm going to depend on you, God, for the outcome here, mm-hmm. we're letting go of the outcome. Um, and that's that's hard to do. I mean, because most of us have an outcome. When we pray, it's it's God. Here's the outcomes that we need to see. Do your magic. Uh, yeah, can you please? Do, you know, I know you know best, but if you don't know best, here's what's best. Yeah. Um, and it's funny on our, our small group um, Sunday night, we were talking about that. That this whole ideal of persistent prayer. Um, you know, and, and you know, I don't think anybody in our group really had a. a good answer to this you know jesus invites us to this persistent prayer that we can pray for what we want mm-hmm. uh, i mean we can we sure. can pray for what we want and be persistent about it you know and and, and i i it, it's kind of that that fascinating aspect in our relationship with god that you know i think well god knows best but god invites me mm-hmm. to be persistent in praying in particular ways I, you can't read scripture any uh-huh. other way mm-hmm. now i think in those prayers god changes us but i yeah. think sometimes god it seems to be that God is moved by our persistent prayers at time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we kind of went off topic there, but I mean, there, there is a, a little bit of this, okay, I'm going to depend on God, and so that means I have to release control. But then in the same hand, God invites us yeah. to assert our, our desires and, and our needs. And I catch myself sometimes even like as I'm journaling, like, like, like change my heart if my desire is wrong in this, like, like almost like that, that's kind of the prayer. Like I'm not like, yeah, I'm, I'm praying for this and I'm being persistent in this, but also like I'm leaving the door open that like, if this isn't what you want for me, like, like change my heart, change my desire in this to, to more clearly reflect yours. Yeah. Can you think of a time where he's answered that particularly? I mean, you don't have to get specific. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's definitely been times where I've looked back and been like, whoo. That was a lot of me imposing my will and my desires on the situation, and it didn't reflect the character of God. It didn't reflect his best in my life. Yeah. 
definitely. That's good. Hmm. I think uh, kind of this difficulty and depending on God, uh, I think a big part of it is also our uh, our culture, right? Like the American dream is what you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you, right. you make things happen, which is garbage, really. Like, that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't work if you don't have boots. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. If you were set up with no boots, then you can't, there's nothing to pull. Um, but, but that whole idea is like, I'm going to work to pull myself up to, you know, to get to the next level. And it's totally self-dependent. Uh, ideally, that's what we, you know, that's what we try to make it. Um, and so this idea of having to rely on someone else <laughs> or something else, you know, God uh, is just, is totally, uh, yeah, it's, it's just not, it doesn't seem realistic in our culture, in our way of doing things. But don't we teach our kids that? I mean, and that's the, the reality. When we say cultural. Uh -huh. We also need to understand that, that, you know, that culture kind of is reflected in, in the way, you know, I've raised my kids this Absolutely. way to a certain degree. You know, I was raised like this and, and it's a, the balance. How do you find that balance that, you know, I want my kids to be self-dependent, to know when they have homework due, mm -hmm. to do it, to not have to have to rely on me for things. And, and you know, it's because you want them to grow up to be functioning adults. And, and we believe to be a functioning adult means that you work, uh, you earn a living, you take care of your mortgage, you take care of your family. And, um, and so there, there is that balance there that, that God doesn't call us to helplessness. So, so it's, it's not about, okay, we're going to sit back and do nothing and expect God to feed us. Um, so there's that balance there. I mean, because you know, I think it's Paul that writes, if, if they won't eat or if they won't work, guess what? They don't get to eat. <laughs> um, but, it, yeah. Because hmm. even then, that's a very, <laughs> again, if they don't have the boots, then. Right. Um, hmm. So. I'm th I guess I'm thinking of this in terms of like, is there a separation of, um, so here, here's, here's what I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking Henry Nowen. Um, I love to read Henry Nowen. And uh, kind of the, some of the most significant times in his life was when he worked at, um, a, I can't remember the name of the facility, um, but worked with uh, a guy named Adam who was completely, unable to function on his own. Uh, he essentially just existed. And so in that, like now is kind of discovering this, this kind of like totally reliant on others. Like there's no self-dependency whatsoever. And kind of, so uh, like in summary, the kind of the, the lesson there is that like God's love for someone has nothing to do with that self-dependence. Um, and it's, um, <laughs> because Adam, who's essentially just existing, um, is a beloved child of God. And so, like, I, I don't know, man, I don't know what that balance is. And I think that's kind of the rub there is uh, of, of figuring out that, that self-dependence, but also understanding that, like, being totally reliant on other people is is not necessarily a, I mean, I don't know how to say this. A bad thing. Um, yeah, not necessarily a bad thing or not a... Like a, yeah, like it doesn't disqualify you from. Yeah, which I think works when you think in the picture of a larger community and that everybody is contributing and, and existing in the community to the extent that they are able to. 
Yeah. And so for the people who they're like yeah. that their part to play in the community is the producing, is the creating, is the gaining the money. Okay, well that is their part in the community and it serves the community well uh -huh. when they do that well. Uh -huh. Then there are gonna be other people that they exist in the community for the enrichment of the community. And uh -huh. there are people who are unable to produce, unable I mean unable to do much more than just enjoy the community uh -huh. and, and exist in it. But like it is good for the community to have those people to care for as well. Yeah. Um, so I think that this works when, if our goal is for our kids to be mature, and we say like self-supporting, self-sufficient, like, but to what end? Because we want them to be a good contributing part of, of whatever their community is. And we want mm -hmm. them to be participating in that to the maximum of their potential, their ability yeah. to. Maybe the word is stewardship. That that, yeah, that's here. a good one. Okay. Because I, I, I keep going back to James. I don't know why this scripture always resonates with me, you know, that, that every good gift comes from the Father above. So maybe maybe what Jesus wants us to acknowledge is, okay, you know, if I'm working, if I'm able to work, it, it still came from him. I mean, it's sure. not that I did that on my own. If I can't work and I have to depend on somebody else, it still comes from him. All, all this, mm -hmm. however right. however we get by, <laughs> yeah. it comes from him. Every good gift comes from above, yeah. uh, from from the Father. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe that's the, the perspective and maybe that that's the balancing perspective that when you return our kids, say, listen, um, what, what did Wesley say? Earn as much as you can. Do what you can do, but you need to recognize that in your doing, it didn't just come from you and it didn't come from me, but it came from God. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's the right balance yeah. or not. Yeah. I, I'm almost like, <laughs> I'm, I'm leaning towards this idea that self-dependency is actually not, um, not the goal for us as Christ followers. Right. Um, it almost seems that self-dependency is counter to what we are doing. Because mm -hmm. um, if we've gotten to a place where we are self-dependent, then that means that we're not a part of the community. Right, and that's almost based on a false premise that we are dependable, <laughs> like that we can control and that we, yeah. like, that I, I can make it. Yeah, I was just thinking sure. of that too. Like we've kind of worked on, and I feel like we're kind of changing even some of the vocabulary we use with our kids is this idea of like, like the things that you do are often to be a blessing to other people. Like how how is what you're working on right now, how does that, how does that bless, how does that bring goodness and joy to people around you? Because we don't achieve just for our own self. We don't create just for our own enjoyment, but like how, like your actions right now you can kind of choose between being a blessing to the people who are around you or not. And kind of helping maybe to reframe some of those conversations in that like, yeah, I want you to grow in maturity. I want you to learn things and I want you to know things. But it's, I mean, I guess kind of shifting. It's okay if you don't know all of the things. It's okay if you can't do everything all by yourself because that's what your community is for. Who right. can you who can you go to about this? Who can you ask for help? Don't ask them to do it for you, but like who could you ask to come alongside you and say, hey, I don't know how to do this. Can we do it together? Hmm. I was just thinking that making this connection back to, uh, I guess it was the last series, um, when we talked about the body of Christ um, and, and specifically Paul talking in, in 1 Corinthians about you know the the body, the functioning body, uh, and you can't you can't all of a sudden say to a foot that I don't need you or whatever. Mm -hmm. To be to claim self dependency, self sufficiency, is essentially to say that I don't need all of the other body parts, right? That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
it's failing to see yourself as a body part. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and seeing rejecting it, seeing yourself as that the body. you are part of a larger body. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Because if you see yourself as the body, well, then you don't you don't perceive your need for any other thing. <laughs> yeah, because I am you, all encompassing. You have it all. Yeah, and it's a lack of vulnerability, which yeah. is you know I I think that's the the word for the year for me is the vulnerability. Yeah. That sure. if you can't if you can't make yourself vulnerable to others, if you can't depend on others, you can't be vulnerable with others. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that and that's part of it. That's why we don't want to be mm -hmm. yeah. depend on other people. We you know I I don't I don't like waiting for rides and waiting for people. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I like to, you know, this just as a matter of self-confession, it's a very difficult thing for me yeah. uh, to rely on anybody else. I, you know, I've been on my own since I've been 21, 22, mm -hmm. you know, it's, you know, mom and dad didn't support me after I was out of high school, really. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's very difficult for me to, to say, okay, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to rely on, on you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it's not a good thing, but it is, you know, it's something I always have to work through. Sure. Mm -hmm. That's why I feel like, man, I feel like this kind of leads right into, sorry, not to jump on you, but like this whole idea of like what we believe, we believe that we're part of this body. We believe that we should be part of this body, but then our actions don't reflect that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that just well, like, also my brain just totally went to like Sunday, <laughs> like whoo, dissonance yeah. here. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 There's spiritual dissonance. Yeah. So, let, so let's just, I mean, let's use that as a transition. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so last week we talked about this idea of cognitive dissonance, um, saying you believe one thing, but your actions not lining up with that. Take that away. Run with that. Wait, I, I was, yeah, kind of reading over this and thinking, like, um, this idea of our beliefs not matching our actions. And I feel like I just have a lot of questions about, it's like, okay, well, if our beliefs don't match our actions, well, first we kind of have to, like, examine where our beliefs come from. What are these founded on? Because I feel like our beliefs, when they're founded on Scripture, when they're founded on our our tradition they're founded on this community like they absolutely should inform our actions but I think too often we take our actions and try to work backwards and reform our beliefs mm -hmm. to accommodate our actions mm -hmm. okay. justify justify yeah mm -hmm. and I think we're seeing that happen a, a lot in our culture where we're like well we've taken time and we've like critiqued maybe the culture of the church and where it didn't align with some of the scriptural standards but then all of a sudden we're like, well, but our church happens now, not here. And so we can just kind of reform what our belief about church should be based on how we want to do church, how we want to do our community here versus taking that critique and, and making some changes. Right. Changing, changing our actions as opposed we, you know, and that's, um, I think it's N.T. Wright that says uh, that we're supposed to apply our lives to the Bible, not apply our the Bible to our lives. In other words, the Bible forms the basis. We don't form the Bible right. in the way we want it. We, uh -huh. we don't read the Bible how we wanted to read it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that's always dangerous. You can take that kind of stuff and go anywhere you want mm -hmm. with it. Um, yeah. Make sure my watch doesn't speak to me again. <laughs> <laughs> I thought when that happened, I thought that you like set this up like uh, so that it would it would say something to. <laughs> I just show it. I do not understand. <laughs> I do not understand. She is a real person. I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> yeah, that was that was great. I, I really thought that it was like you you intentionally did that as part of the. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the I'd have to know how to use that yeah. stuff. I'm like, well, I'll put it in my pocket because I don't even know how to turn it off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Technology. Uh, <laughs> um, what are we What are we talking about? Spiritual oh, distance. Uh, spiritual distance. Yeah. Um, man. 
I uh, he was one of he was my one of my professors at, at college. I assume uh, I remember him saying, "Right theology leads to right action." Um, and so I, I'm like, as I'm thinking this, like beliefs don't line up with action. Like it is it fair to I don't know is it fair to say like if the beliefs don't line up with the actions, then maybe they're just not actual beliefs anyway. That you didn't hold them <laughs> yeah. with? Is that kind yeah. of what you're saying? Okay. Yeah. Or at least you don't hold them in priority. But then is it right to challenge that further to say that you maybe should hold those beliefs? Like, and that you don't want to reject, like, and say that you shouldn't have those beliefs just because you don't live them? Is that kind of weird? Um, or that they just weren't your beliefs to begin with because you don't act on them? Yeah, I think that's I think okay. that's I think that's maybe what I'm thinking. Because if 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 right theology or right beliefs mm-hmm. uh, lead to right action, um, and again, that's not <laughs> that's not script that's not from the Bible. Yeah. So I'm not saying that that's like for sure. Okay. Um, I guess I'm just thinking like, man, if you say that you believe this, but your actions aren't lining up to that, then I would maybe say. No, you don't actually believe that. You're, it's lip service. Mm-hmm. Um, it's empty, empty doctrine, empty, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, I, I, don't know where, <laughs> I don't know where I'm trying to take that. No, That's just a thought that I... No, but I think where that dissonance comes because you almost, you feel that tension between what you're saying and what you're doing. Yeah. Like I think that is it. And at some point, you kind of have to yeah. choose, are you going to allow these beliefs, like, that you uh-huh. hold to change your actions to form your actions or are you going to reject those beliefs because you want to continue in these actions and so i guess the question is are your actions good actions and, and there's a spectrum there i yeah. mean there, there's definitely you know I, and i've experienced this that people believe okay well this is my faith but this isn't happening like that faith mm-hmm. um and so some, sometimes you'll see people that you know will, will become well it's just it's just me it's true, but it's just me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, there's something wrong with me, and and I've encountered that in the ministry where, where there was a an express belief that they still clung to, and it defeated them in their spiritual walk because they never could live it. And, uh, and and then there's people that you know, all of us, uh, you know, if we've grown up in the church, we've had doctrine after doctrine, and and you know, probably we'd say, yeah, yeah, I believe that. And, and, and we've just never taken the time to self-examine and say, well, you know, really, that's not part of my theology. I, I mean, there, does that make any sense? There are times where it's, um, you know, we have to be careful with that. There's times that people are defeated by that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I know I've seen that. Yeah. And it sometimes can't always just be so black and white. Like, we have to almost mm-hmm. investigate the nuances of what this belief really looks like in practice and mm-hmm. how we, with compassion interact with each other, upholding this belief, but also with the realization of the world that we live in right. and the people that we love and that beating you over the head with this belief is not, like my action in that is going to like go against my other belief that I should love everyone. Right. So I think that can kind of hold them together. Yeah. I mean, I've had, in my life, I've, I've had to go through those things. I mean, there, there's things that, that probably I held pretty close to, to, to I believe when I was, 27, 28, that now that I'm, you know, 58, that probably I've looked at that and said, you know, that's not that important. And that, uh-huh. that, that, that was emphasized too much, or, yeah. you know, and so, so my, you know, over the years, there's been things that I held to that 
at this point, I'm saying no. I don't think that's as yeah. important. I think yeah. that was that was a a misdirection. Yeah. And yeah. so you know, and I, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's. I mean, that, that's that's formation, right? Like that's yeah. spiritual formation mm-hmm. and, and transformation. And there's things that weren't as important that are more important. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I can tell you in churches growing up, the ideal of social justice wasn't an important thing. Yeah. To me, that's almost an essential, yeah. central thing. So I, I've shifted in. And, and, and a lot of thoughts from, from it's all about personal piety. Uh, you know, nothing wrong with personal piety, but personal piety that, piety, piety, <laughs> piety that does pieties. not lead to community transformation yeah. is right. pharisaical. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I know growing up, it was all about that. Yep. And person, nothing yeah. wrong with those things, you know, be, but it's got to lead to a, a transformation in your community. Right. It's got to have an effect yeah. on your community. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I was part of too many churches that isolated that, you know, you know be, be not part of the world or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they isolated instead of invading their mm-hmm. community. And, yeah. you know, and so I, I think had to that, work through some of that. Yeah, I, and I think that sometimes that leads to, we, we get that transformational part, but it's that personal transformation, right? Mm-hmm. And so like there's that, uh, the complete emphasis on like my personal piety is going to lead to my personal transformation. And while that is good and important, if that's not <laughs> contributing to community transformation, right. then it's, you're only getting part of that. I, uh, Doug Van Est, um, he's a professor at Mount Vernon now, but yesterday he posted on, uh, his Facebook and I thought of it. It, it made me think of your sermon on Sunday, but, uh, he said, doctrine and moral codes are not substitutes for genuine spiritual formation. If who we are as a person is not being formed by grace into the image of Christ, they become empty shells that inevitably are used as nothing more than weapons of judgment against others. Mm-hmm. And just what you were just saying, more there. Um, yeah, this idea of like, if, <laughs> man, if our beliefs are not leading to um, right action, then it's empty shells. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. And particularly in our theology, you know, we, we believe in our theology that God transforms us. That's right. You know, not, not that we always are right, never have to confess, never fail, never sin, that, that we're constantly perfect. I don't believe that because I can't live that. Mm-hmm. That's right. But, but I do believe I, I've experienced... God transforming and changing my attitudes, my mind, the way I think. I've experienced that. I believe that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it, if that's the case, it's just not a matter of saying a simple prayer, mm-hmm. getting your hand stamped, and uh-huh. okay, when you die, you go to heaven. Yeah. We believe that God gives life before death, yeah, not just sure. after yeah. death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I think that's good. And I think we maybe at some point also need to be more like self-reflective or self-aware like of our beliefs and kind of understand that we've got kind of like big potatoes and small potatoes here. Like some of these beliefs, a lot of the other ones kind of fall under the umbrella, but we can't let those smaller ones in effect eclipse that larger Mm. belief. Like if I believe that God is a God of transformation, well, that may manifest itself in a few other beliefs or things that I have. But at any point in time, if I start to act against my upper, I more highly held belief that God transforms in that I reject that somebody else could experience that same transformation, well, then I have maybe elevated a belief mm-hmm. above where it should be. 
that makes sense. I'm almost thinking, oh my God, it's like this hierarchy. I'm like, what is, what are the essentials and kind of the uh -huh. things that are maybe more up for debate and that are more likely to kind of change and, and grow with us as we grow? Hmm. If you could boil that down, what is that essential? Emmanuel. What do you mean? God with us. God in us. God yeah. for us. I, I, to me, I, I think that you, you boil down to uh, the scripture, to this ideal that God wants to reside in us. That, you know, we, we sang let, Sunday, let your praises fill this temple. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this isn't a temple. Yeah. The people are the temple. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, it's the whole ideal that God wants to inhabit us as his image bearers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to make no graven image. That we're meant we to be the image. the image of God, and and we're meant to demonstrate who God is. I, mean, I don't know if that that boils it down for you, but I mean, just this this ideal that um, <laughs> we have a God that's not distant and far, but a God that wants to be with us, yeah. in us, for us all yeah. the time, and He wants us to be people that reflect that yeah. to our community. Yeah, and so I would say that what does that look like? That looks like Emmanuel. <laughs> that's right. like Jesus, yeah. right? Because I mean, that's what we believe. That's who we believe Jesus was: is uh, God, man, right? And so, um, yeah, when we're looking for that that essential, that mm -hmm. non-negotiable, like um, to line up our beliefs with, like if it doesn't look like Jesus, then uh, then it's it's probably off. <laughs> and and therefore, if and also if our if our beliefs point to Jesus, but our actions don't point to Jesus, mm -hmm. then there's that um, dissonance there. Yeah, well, and also let's not take one moment in Jesus's life and make that reflect our larger belief, but rather like Jesus and who he is. Because uh -huh. um, I think it's easy for our beliefs to begin to be swayed by our personal preferences, our, our culture, our politics, all of these things where we can start to equate this idea of like this is a firmly, sincerely held belief, but that that belief will not hold up in comparison to Jesus. It will not hold up against his character. So I don't want it to be my character uh -huh. if that's not his. And so I, I think, but again, that comes back to being willing to reflect and to pray those things like change my heart if if I'm not in line with yours. Being open to say like, this is these are the things that I've kind of come up with at this point in my life show me the ones that I need to say goodbye to. So show me the ones that I have uh, been in error on. And so that's, the, the problem is not spiritual dissonance. The problem is an unawareness of the spiritual dissonance. Because I believe spiritual dissonance, when we're aware of it and we address it, we either revise our belief system to be correct or it pulls us. I mean, so, so there's parts of my faith that I'm not there yet. I, I believe that, that that's what God wants for me and that's what God wants to do. But, but there's parts that Jesus still pulls me forward. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I think spiritual dissonance, any cognitive dissonance, so, you know, let's use just, a, a, you know, eating right. Okay, so you, you could either say, okay, well, that I'm just not going to eat right and I'm going to worry about it. Or you could say, that's going to pull me to something better. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay attention. I know I'm not there. Well, spiritual di dissonance, when, when we see Jesus, it should pull us. And I, I guess I've not gotten to the point where there's still not, <laughs> there's not places in my life where I feel like, man, he's still pulling me. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let's just keep going with that, with the idea of eating healthy. Somebody might say, oh, I want to eat healthy. But the reality is that phrase eating healthy has like 
zero meaning if you don't do more research and get a better understanding of what what does health actually mean for my body? Because health does mean actually like all of these food groups in moderation. It means that I need this and this and this and this. And I can't just say, well, I'm gonna look at that food and say that food's unhealthy. Well, if you ate nothing but that food, you, you would become unhealthy, but it's not because that food necessarily is inherently unhealthy because your body still needs, like it can still use some of that. And so I think we look at like overindulgence or, but yeah, if we want to make a change, I think we need to do the study. We need to do, get the better understanding, understand what defines health to make choices as far as how I'm going to feed my body. I really want to eat those donuts Sunday. I really want to do that. That was a smackdown in the front. That that sermon (laughs) illustration, the calories wouldn't have counted because it was part of the sermon. It was for God. And so I, I really, and, uh, but then I looked at the date on them and realized that uh, they were older than me. Were they out of date? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a kid ate them. So oh, that caused a... quite the ruckus <laughs> there. <laughs> um, so let's talk about our kids, our teens. Because um, I think that this, what we're talking about here, has significant implications on, on our kids. Um, when our expressed faith, does not match practice faith in the home that's trouble yeah um that whole phrase do as i say not as i do right yeah yeah (laughs) i would i would maybe expand that a little bit to say um it's significant when that happens in the home but it's also really significant when that happens in the church um so i there's a um there's some some YouTubers, uh, blog not bloggers, um, uh, just yeah YouTube personalities, um, who have several YouTube shows and, and have kind of uh, they've talked about their walking away from the faith. Um, they were you know extremely active in, in Campus Crusade and, um, and and all that kind of stuff and and they've they've kind of walked away and so they uh, over some uh, some different podcasts and, and, and videos they've kind of. Uh, talked about that and explored that and one thing uh, well a couple things it was a it was about a year ago that they first put out their first video that kind of talked about them walking away and in my youth ministry world Facebook groups and and things like that um, because these are these are popular guys um, most of the teens have have heard of them Um, the vast majority of um, kind of response in the youth ministry world was I have to do a much better job of teaching my teens like what they believe and how to defend that belief. And that, like I pushed really, really hard back against that. Um, because like in listening to their story, like, these were the guys that knew that, like they, they knew how to defend their faith. Like they had the answers that, that would defend that faith. Anyway, fast forward that to this year, they did like a year recap of, of that and how it's been since then. One of the things that one of the guys said um, was that uh, people in the church are fearing, like my teens are going to listen to these guys and they're going to walk away. What he challenged was that uh, and, and so, and, and so then I need to teach them more. Like I need to, uh, teach them more about their faith and their defending their beliefs, whatever he said, 
I would say the opposite is true. You have taught your teens uh, really well on figuring out what they believe, on reading, on knowing the scripture, knowing Jesus, but what they're not finding is Jesus in the church. Their understanding and, and what they're reading in scripture of who Jesus is, they're not finding that in the church. And so they're walking away to, to find that elsewhere. They probably wouldn't say that they're looking for Jesus. And so like, so what I'm just hearing here is like this significant dissonance of uh, the church proclaiming Jesus. But like when, when I study Jesus, there's some dissonance there and that's causing uh, a little bit of, of tension. I say all that, like placing that on them, but like that's also been my experience um, and I've not walked away, um, but I have found at times that there's a little bit of dissonance there in what, in the Jesus I find in scriptures and what we do. <laughs> all of that to say, I think this is huge for our kids and our teens. I would say this, the, 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 one, well, the one thing that when you're talking about that, and it just came to my mind, that this ideal of information being the basis of faith, uh, information is almost endless now. And so if the basis of faith is information and knowledge, well, I mean, they, you can get on the Internet and research and get more and more and more and more and more and more information. You can watch a blog, <laughs> a podcast like yeah, this. Yeah. I mean, there's endless information. Mm -hmm. At some point... Um, you know, it's got to be, it's got to get to this, what's it look like? Yeah. How's it lived? Yeah. And, you know, that, that's, yeah, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm mishearing you, but I, I think we give endless information as if information is the end all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Information's not yeah. the end all. Yeah. Right living is the right. end all. Right. For sure. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just sitting here <laughs> thinking like, um, because I think what is so easy to happen is, yeah, we, we have these beliefs. So I think it's a both end. Because, like, I definitely, like, want my children, like, to understand why we believe the things that we believe. But also, like, that because we believe this, this is what our life right. looks like. Right. So it doesn't just keep coming back. I'm not going to drill you on all of these things. But we're going to keep back. Why did we make this decision? Well, because we believe this about God. Because That's we right. believe that when God says that we should do this, we take that seriously. Yeah. So I think that... Um, it kind of is in effect making sure that like whatever you want to call it, the moral authority, the leader, whoever in your home doesn't stop just with the parents, but like that as parents, we are following Jesus. Yeah. And so my, my relationship to you as your mom reflects the responsibilities that I have as a follower of Jesus to care for you. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that there's, there can be a, a self-righteousness that happens when we feel like the moral authority lands on us. We just have to yeah. teach our kids how to do the right thing. We have to teach them how to say the right things because they're trying to live up to our standards. Yeah. When I think it's a healthier thing to realize that we're, they're coming alongside us as we're chasing after this too. Um, because I don't want my children to see a, a lack of repentance or an arrogance mm -hmm. or a self-righteousness in me mm -hmm. because I have all of this knowledge. Like I have all of this knowledge hopefully to, to guide you and, and as we walk together. Yeah, that's good, yeah. And a, and a vulnerability, a willingness to, see, I, I, I think in the church, there's been a lack of, um, of um, authenticity, even in, in, in the walk. Um, I, I think 
there would be a lot more grace given towards the church from kids, from people walking away from faith, if in those bodies they saw people that were saying, yeah, I'm still working, I'm still trying, I've not quite got it. Uh, right. Because I I always saw, you know, I well, didn't always see, but it always seemed like everybody had it all together but me. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, when you feel like everybody has it all together but you, and then you see things in their life that doesn't line up with yep. having it all together, then it's like, well, huh? Yep. Or you feel like everybody loves you as long as you're you're doing it all right and you got it all together, and then yep. everybody kind of distances yourself from you when things aren't looking as right in your life. Mm. And yeah, yeah no, I, I think we. Are, but I think like a critiquing the culture of the church based on Jesus, based on that, like I think that's a good thing. I don't. I, I think that that is the right kind of um, whatever you want to call it, a, a deconstruction or a reconstruction. Like I think that that is that's the heart of. of pulling us forward, like you were saying, like that pulls us towards yeah. a truer, more authentic version of our faith when we when we allow ourselves to be critiqued and when we respond to that critique appropriately. Mm-hmm. That's good. Good stuff. All right. Mara, what's going on in the kids' department this month? Fill us in. Oh, man, yeah, the kids' department? I mean, we're talking about... Based about God's plans, and I like I feel like it, it, it just every time I'm like it all just flows together. Like so, I'm really hoping I feel like the stuff that you guys were talking about in the sanctuary like are absolutely things that our kids need to hear and need to see. I mean, we're talking about this idea like that following God's plan includes a lot of trust and depending on Him and going. I don't understand this plan, but I trust that Your plan is is perfect. Your plan is for my good. Your plan is to bring You glory, and that is good for me. Um, and so kind of helping our kids to see like that Jesus showed this crazy obedience at every turn, but it wasn't because he couldn't be disobedient. It wasn't because he couldn't say no. It was because he trusted that God was with him and that he was kind of setting that plan ahead of him and just kept saying yes. Um. And so, yeah, I think that's kind of what we're kind of hoping our kids are understanding this this week is that, or this month even, is that Jesus was a human, just like us. He was worried, scared, all of those things. And yet he still was so dependent on God that he just kept saying yes. Yeah. He kept kept following, kept obeying him. That's good. Cool. So it's been consistent. It's funny you're talking about it being consistent with what you're talking about in the, in the kids' area because um, Sunday after church, um, Judy Tools class is meeting up here, and they stopped, and they said, did you read our lesson before? <laughs> and I said, no, nah, I don't typically look at the adult lesson. Like, maybe I should, but I, I didn't. They said, it was exact scriptures were the same. It was all exactly the same. And I said, well, could it be that this story that we're telling has common themes? That <laughs> 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 it's just not all over the place, but yeah. whether I'm preaching there or you're speaking up there or they're teaching in a Sunday school class or you're teaching teens, that this is all consistent. And that, that God is is consistent in what up. he's doing. I mean, that's weird. <laughs> but it could just be that. <laughs> so we yeah. should, if we're not hitting similar themes throughout right. what we're talking about, oh, maybe good. that would be a red alert. That's, yeah. yeah, that's that's good. Which that's that common good. theme again is what? Jesus, right? right. <laughs> Moving us towards Christ-likeness. Well, well, that's, that's the old joke. The guy is asking the kids to describe a squirrel in the Sunday school class. And, and one of the kids said, well, 
what you're describing, it has bushy tail, eats nuts, because what well, it sounds like a squirrel, but I'm sure the answer is Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. That's good. Love it. Cool. All hearts clear? Yes. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day and this conversation. Uh, God, thank you uh, that you continue to call us forward, uh, that you are not wanting to just leave us as we are, but God, that you desire to uh, to move us, to, to change us, to transform us, uh, ultimately to become more like Christ. And so God, we, uh, we open ourselves to that. Uh, we give you permission to do that. Uh, and God, as we do that, I pray that you would uh, continue to give us that, that sense of vulnerability, um, but also that grace, um, because the truth is, is that we are just a community of people who are all working along that journey and, uh, and, and that requires a whole lot of grace. So God, teach us what that looks like. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. See ya.